You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Arise and shine, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord will be upon you, and there's reason for hope and joy and optimism. <laughs> okay, let's collectively roll our eyes. Deep groans, everybody. Deep groans. Um, maybe we need to laugh because if we if we don't laugh, we're gonna cry. Or maybe we just need to cry because this does not feel like epiphany at all. None of it feels like epiphany. Where's the light? Where's the joy? Where's the hope? We are in month whatever of COVID. I don't even know what month we're in. All I know is I'm preaching another message from my office, which is a ton of fun. And more importantly, and right in front of us right now, is the fact that there was an insurrection at our country's Capitol building this past week. And so here's what I have to do first thing, right? The first thing I absolutely need to do is I need to say that what happened this past week at the Capitol, that, that was not epiphany. What happened this week at the Capitol is the result of what happens when we have a leader who does nothing but divide. It's a result of what happens when we have a leader who does nothing but propagate conspiracies. This is what happens when we have a leader who says that love and humility and grace are weak. This is the result of all of that. We end up getting insurrection. Let me further say this. Let me further say that this was an insurrection by people, mostly white folks, who decided that it was more important for them to maintain the power of white supremacy over preserving a democracy. And yes, I know exactly what I said, and I absolutely believe that. I believe this is a group of people, some of who called themselves Christians, who would rather pursue the power of the Roman Republic rather than the humility and the grace of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to get to that in a second. And before I get to that, I want to say something personally in case uh, you might have any thoughts or questions or ideas. Uh, There are many of us out there, good, good, well-meaning Christian folk, who are saying things like, well, this is a both sides issue or what about, or whatever else the case may be. And I want to tell you very clearly that I do not have time for that BS, okay? And at Forefront Church, we want to recognize exactly what this is. This is a power play that looks nothing like the way of Jesus Christ. So you can go ahead and email me if you'd like, or talk to me if you'd like, but I'm going to tell you that I don't have time for it, and we're going to move on very quickly. Does that make sense for everybody? Okay, good. And the struggle is, and this is the struggle, it's hard to know what to talk about on a Sunday after such an awful event, momentous event, historical event. It's hard to know. It doesn't help that on social media we have a ton of people who are going, if you're a pastor doesn't preach on da-da-da. Yeah, listen, every good pastor is well aware of what we need to preach on, okay? Thanks for the reminder, though. And so, yeah, on a day like this, when I'm going, what do... I preach on? How does this work? I think what I need to do first is ask myself, you know, does scripture tell us anything? And luckily, it tells us quite a bit. It tells us quite a bit because luckily, this isn't anything new for the people alive during the time of Jesus. 
Nothing new at all. This wasn't new for the people alive after Jesus' death and resurrection. This was nothing new for those folks. In fact, we get an incredibly unique perspective on what Jesus might say during a time like this. We get that perspective. And so I have a bunch of things I want to do. I want to continue to be angry. I want to continue to be sad. I want to continue to be scared. I want to continue to be anxious. And in that, I want to take action. Whatever that action may be, I want to go and do it. And then I look at what Jesus was up to. You know, there was a time, especially when Jesus was alive, uh, where a Roman Republic used divisiveness as a way to keep power. Where a Roman Republic continued to oppress the poor, and have the wealthy get even wealthier. A Roman Republic that took about 80% of people's income for their own use and their own good. It was a Roman Republic who said that love and grace and humility, those were weak things. It was all about battle and victory and never admitting when you were wrong. It was a Roman Republic that told, not told, commanded people to proclaim that Caesar is Lord under threat of punishment and beating and arrest and even murder. Like, that's what was happening during the time of Jesus. And you had a whole group of people who couldn't celebrate either. They were a group that literally wondered where their next meal would come from. They were a group that literally were a minority, always in oppression and always in persecution. They were a group being gaslit by their religious leaders. Religious leaders telling them that the Roman Republic has their best interests in mind to side with the Republic. This is what was going on in the time of Jesus. And so just like our bracelets say, which I always say were good things, what does Jesus do? And what would Jesus do? Now, not only that, but I want to take us to the book of Matthew. Now, the book of Matthew was, was written probably about 70 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what was going on then? Well, we have a group of people who are tired of the Republic. And they're tired of the gaslighting. And they're tired of everything else going on. And they decide that they are going to revolt against Jerusalem. And in revolting against Jerusalem, what ends up happening is that the Roman Republic comes in and absolutely destroys everything everything. All of it. There is nothing left. And the truth of the matter is there is God, and God resides in the temple, and the temple gets destroyed. There is nothing else, which means very realistically that the people, about 70 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, those people had no hope. They had nothing to hang their hats on. They only could hope for a renewed oppression, renewed devastation, renewed hurt. And so it's doubly important that we recognize that not only was this going on at the time of Jesus, it was going on when the book of Matthew was being written. And here's what the book of Matthew says about this. I'm going to read it to us. It starts off like this. It starts off Matthew 5, verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. Now the crowds, they were the ones that wanted something. Do something about this, Jesus. Do something about the hurt and the oppression and being killed and, and, and having to say, Caesar's Lord, do something. We are poor. We don't know where our next meal is going to come from. You are our Savior. What are you going to do? And about 70 years after Jesus, when the book of Matthew was written, you had a group of people going, 
There's no way for me to meet God. The temple's destroyed. Where do I meet God? And Matthew 5 has this beautiful line. And the beautiful line simply says, Jesus went up on a mountainside. Now, why is that important? It's important because when you grew up in Jewish tradition, you named the holy places. You named the places where God resided. You named the places where God was going to bless you. And notice, this mountainside is not named. Why is it not named? It's not named because right away the writer wants us to know that what's happening on this mountainside is holy. And God is there. And God is blessing. And so what the writer is basically saying here is, I'm not going to name this place because right now you don't feel like you can find God. And right now you're angry and you're hurt and you're anxious and you're fearful. But I'm telling you that God wasn't just in that temple. God is everywhere. I mean, all over the place. Every part of this is holy, including that mountainside and including this apartment office in Brooklyn. It's holy. It's the place where we are worshiping today in your bedroom and on your couch and wherever else you may be. It's all holy. God is already there. The absence of God is a lie. In the midst of this process, God is with us. That's what the writer tells us. And then Jesus gets to preaching. And Jesus gets to preaching to this group of people who are like, God, help us. We're anxious. We're worried. We're scared. The nation seems to be falling apart. There's, there's been oppression and, and people are dying. Our family members are divided. We're falling apart at the seams. And what does Jesus preach? Jesus preaches his magnum opus. Okay, this was, if somebody said to me, Jonathan, you, uh, you can only take one part of the Bible. That's it. I would pick this part of the Bible. It's, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And it starts with the Beatitudes, okay? Uh, my wife sings this song. like She'll just walk around the house singing it, and it goes like this. I got the attitude, the Beatitude, and I can't stand it because it just sticks in my head. And I only am saying this in my message because I hope it sticks in your head too. Um, attitude, Beatitude. But back to, the, back to what's at hand. And back to what's at hand is this. Jesus looks at these people who, like I said, are fearful, oppressed, anxious, worried, scared. And Jesus says these words to them. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And that's how he starts. To a group of people anxious and afraid and worried, God says, you are blessed. Now, we, we have to understand as blessings in those times, blessings only went to the poor and powerful. Blessings only went to the people who wanted to maintain their supremacy. Blessings only went to the rich. Blessings only went to the religious leaders who were partnered with the republic. That's the only place where blessings went. And all of a sudden, Jesus gives a counterintuitive, not only is God everywhere, and all of this is holy, and you are holy, but, but not only are you holy, but you are blessed. The weak, you are blessed. The meek, you are blessed. And here's the best part of it. This isn't instructive. It's not, you will be blessed when you learn to be more meek. 
you will be blessed when you understand moderation and what it sort of means to be poor. No, this is a pronouncement. This is God extravagantly giving out blessings to people who have never experienced blessing. This is a God who's saying it's all holy. You are holy in spite of your pain, in spite of your fear, in spite of your anxiety, in spite of your anger. You are holy and you are blessed. And there's a bunch of whatabouts out there. We like to whatabout. But what about this one? No, there are no whatabouts. Jesus is telling this group of people experiencing some of the same things we've experienced that they are blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Let me read it for you. Because this is what it means. To be blessed is this English word translated from the Greek word eulogio. And eulogio means to be consecrated. And to be consecrated means to be set apart for specific use. So to be blessed, number one, you ready? It means you are set apart for specific use. Not some of you. Not the few of you who get it right. Not the ones of you who are in power. All of us. All of you. You are set apart by God for specific use. But this next part is, to me, the next part is even better. Because Scripture tells us that God, God does not set us apart by specific use unless God has a great love for us, unless God is on our side. And so basically, to be consecrated means to be set apart by God. And now that we are set apart to be used by God, we can also say that God is on our side. So when God says, blessed are you, God is saying, God is on your side when you are anxious. God is on your side when you are fearful. God is on your side when you are poor in spirit. God is on your side when you are working your butt off to make peace with family and friends who happen to think that this was all okay last week. God is on your side when white people are bothering you non-stop. And, and for one split second, they might get an idea of what it's like to be in your shoes. God is on your side when you are hustling and trying to figure out what comes next because this whole thing is too much. And God is on your side when you say, screw it, and you throw your hands up. You say, I'm not getting anything else done today. And God is on your side when you are working your butt off and just spinning your wheels because you can't think of anything else to do. God is on your side. And God is on your side when you weep tears because you're afraid. And God is on your side when you are angry at that stupid person on social media. God is on your side. When Jesus gets the opportunity to tell a scared and hurt and oppressed people, what comes next? Jesus blesses them. He says, first thing you need to know is that God is on your side. And so when I'm thinking of what I should tell us, church, what we need to work together to try to figure out, I want to say, hey, we need to run out there and work for justice. And, and that will come. We, we will. And I want to say, you know, I absolutely, like, absolutely condemn everybody. And I think they're jerks for anybody who thinks this was okay and there's a sense in which that's okay, too. I'm allowed to feel that way, okay? But what I need to hear, and I think what you need to hear first, is that we are blessed. God says, you are, you are in my favor. I am on your side. And you need to know that I am using you to restore and bring goodness to this place. God is on our side. Now, here's the thing. In the midst of pain, in the midst of struggle, when we're at wit's end, God says God's on our side. Can we receive that blessing? Because the truth of the matter is we hear that blessing, and God so freely and extravagantly gives that blessing to us 
So why are we so hard on ourselves? Why are we unable to accept it? Why are we saying, mm, no, there's got to be something I got to do here. Or there's got to be something that fixes this. Or there's got to be something that, that makes this go away. There's got to be something I could do to change it. And God is saying, stop it. You are mine. I'm on your side. I'm taking care of this. Say yes to it. Say yes to this blessing. But I'm not good enough. I'm awful. I'm a terrible human being. You should have seen what I posted on social media and my family. And then, Stop it. God is on your side. You are to be used by God. Accept the blessing. Say yes to the blessing. But you don't know me because I'm this and I've done these things and, I, and I'm broken. And, and y'all, you don't even know what I thought about the other day when I was you know, driving or when I was on the subway. You don't even know. And God says, I do know. Stop it. Say yes to this blessing. Stop being so hard on yourself. I am on your side. Forefront. God is on our side in the midst of us, this struggle. In the midst of the unknown, God is on our side. In the midst of our anger, God is on our side. Say yes to it. Stop denying it. And I've been reading a lot of Nadia Bolt's web lately, and so she has something to say about this as well. And this is what she says. She says, Jesus blessed all the things we try and hide or make up for, or the things we insult in ourselves and others. Because after all, it was Jesus who had all the powers of the universe at his disposal, but who did not consider his equality with God something to be exploited, but instead came to us in the most vulnerable of ways, as powerless flesh and blood, newborn. As though to say, you may hate yourself or you may hate your bodies, but I am blessing all of human flesh. You may admire strength and might, but I am blessing all human weakness. You may seek power, but I am blessing all human vulnerability. This Jesus, who we followed, cried out at the tomb of his friend, and he turned the other cheek, and he forgave those who hung him on the cross. He was God's beatitude, God's blessing to the weak, in a world that only admires the strong. Forefront, what do we do in this situation? Well, there's plenty to do. Plenty of reasons to be upset, plenty of reasons to be mad, plenty of reasons to, to want to throw it all away. Plenty of reasons to want to escape, plenty of reasons to want to numb our pain. And yet all we need to do today, today in this position, at this time when our country feels like it's under attack, the thing that we just need to do today is to say yes to blessing. Say yes to the fact that God is ready to use you. Say yes to the fact that God is on your side. Say yes to the fact that Jesus has been here before, in the same spot that we're in. And instead of saying, let's get out there and fight, and instead of saying, get to work, and instead of saying, go do all these millions of things, says, you need to hear that I am pronouncing that I extravagantly, lovingly, and without condition want to see nothing but blessing for you today. And so now we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to go into an extended time of prayer. And so what I want us to do is, is we're going to do, we're going to pray for one another. We're going to post our prayers in comment sections. I, we, I want all of us to be a part of this prayer because prayer, matter, and prayer matters and prayer works and prayer points us back to those blessings, okay? And so I want you all to close your eyes and I just want you to read, I just want to read something for you. Read my prayer for all of us today. And it goes like this. Blessed are us, forefront. 
each of us struggling today, unable to grieve and afraid of what comes next. Blessed are us, forefront, for those of us who keep hustling with no stopping or no end in sight, and for those of us who can't even lift a finger to do any work. Blessed are us, forefront, who haven't been able to take care of ourselves and are eating poorly and drinking too much and doing whatever else that hurts our bodies. Blessed are us. Blessed are us who have done nothing but look at Facebook over and over and over and just have our blood boiling. Blessed are us, Forefront, because today is our reminder that God is on our side, has always been on our side, and in the midst of what feels like brokenness and this last gasp of white supremacy and the last gasp of a people who, who would rather have privilege than democracy and the last gasp of those who think that power is better than grace and humility and everything else that you need to understand, that we need to understand, that I need to understand in the midst of all of it, God is blessing us and is on our side and that never changes to that I say Amen Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity visit ForefrontChurch.com